and welcome to the reading of the business record for Friday, July 23rd, 2021. I'm your reader, Susan Hack. This week's future story, Introducing the Business Record's 2021 Women of Influence. The Business Record's Women of Influence Awards celebrate the work of women who have made a difference. They've devoted their lives to doing things most wouldn't. They've spent countless hours on various boards, and they've blazed a trail either personally or professionally for other women to follow. Now more than ever, we need leaders who operate with strength, resilience, and empathy. The 2021 Women of Influence honorees exemplify these characteristics. Their stories of work, both past and present, are inspiring especially in a time when we need role models who offer humility and thoughtfulness. This year's honorees dedicate time, resources, and effort to businesses and community organizations. They lead in top roles at organizations large and not so large. They plan initiatives and strategies that are transforming Greater Des Moines and its citizens. They have earned multiple degrees. They come from different backgrounds. They have overcome challenges and embraced opportunities. They are not simply influential because of what they do or have done, but also because of who they are. This is the 22nd year the business record has honored inspiring and influential women. They've amassed a tremendous amount of experience and wisdom and showcased integrity, grace, and intelligence. We hope their stories inspire you as much as they've inspired us. Emily Barsky, Business Record Editor. Now we have individual stories on each honoree. Emily Abbas, Chief Retail Banking and Marketing Officer, Bankers Trust Company. By Kathy A. Bolton. When Emily Abbas was in fifth grade, each of her classmates received an award as they prepared to leave elementary school and begin middle school. One classmate was awarded Best Smile, another Best Artist. Abbas's award? I got the Always Has Something to Say award, said Abbas, who in 2020 was named Bankers Trust Company's Chief Retail Banking and Marketing Officer. At the time, I'm not sure it was a compliment, Abbas said about the award. Time has not erased memories of receiving the award. In fact, receiving the recognition likely has helped Abbas be a better leader, she said. If we're in a meeting and we're trying to get to the best solution, I don't always want to be the first one to speak. And I don't, because others then might not share their opinion, said Abbas, who was named a business record emerging woman of influence in 2016, and was part of the publication's 2005 40 Under 40 class. I might call on someone and ask them what they think, even if they're not ready to speak up, because I know they've got good information. I think that's something that's always helped me be successful, she said. Part of being a leader is being self-aware, Abbas said. I don't know how self-aware I was early in my career, and understanding that you don't have to be the first to speak and understanding that you don't always have to have something to say, she said. I've learned it's more about picking the right moment to speak or adding to the conversation to get others thinking. 
The announcement in 2020 of Abbas's promotion at Bankers Trust came as the world's economy was shutting down because of the pandemic. In her new role, Abbas was tasked with overseeing areas once managed by five executive-level leaders, Chief of Staff, Chief Marketing and Communications Officer, Community Relations and Charitable Investments, Chief Retail Banking Officer, and Chief Regional Banking Officer. Originally, Abbas had planned to visit the company's branch offices and various departments in an effort to learn more about unfamiliar areas of Bankers Trust and meet employees. COVID caused that plan to be scrapped. Still, she wanted to learn more about the jobs done by Bankers Trust workers. She remembered a segment by a former local television news personality who would do other people's jobs and began doing something similar. Abbas said she had dozens of requests to do the jobs of other Bankers Trust workers. She has shadowed a mortgage loan originator, a loan processor, a loan closer, and workers who interact with customers at the branch offices. I noticed that they have lots of tabs opened at once on their computer monitors, Abbas said. Having all those different tabs opened on just one screen makes it hard to follow. We got all of our bankers' dual monitors. As she moved up the management ladder at Bankers Trust and the other companies at which she worked, Abbas said she focused on showing her bosses what she could do. At some point, you figure out that it's not about me, she said. It's about doing greater, bigger things collectively and with others and with bringing out the best in others. About Emily? education, bachelor's degree in journalism and mass communication, and master's degree in communication leadership, both from Drake University, hometown Des Moines, family, husband Corey, and two teenage sons, Rowan and Cray, age 46, hobbies, mentoring, traveling, attempting to improve at golf. Words to live by, quote, a strong woman stands up for herself. A stronger woman stands up for everybody else." End quote. Our next honoree, Marta Codina, Region Bank President, Wells Fargo Bank, by Joe Gardiaz. Question. You started out as a teller when you were 16. What is it about banking that appealed to you to make it your career? I found that banking wasn't necessarily financial management. It was people. It was being able to lead people, being able to motivate people, and being able to help customers. So if you look at the real purpose of what we get to do every day, I happen to work for a bank, but I have an opportunity to build teams, hire people, motivate them to be able to serve customers in one of the really private, important things in customers' lives, their finances. Did you have mentors that helped you to get your start in banking and to advance your career? I moved around from bank to bank and was able to kind of reinvent myself every time I made that change, so it forced me to stay relevant. Early on, what drove me was the fact that I was on my own. At age 19, my dad passed away and my mom moved and it was just me, so my resilience had to come into play. I did have some leaders that really pushed me into roles that I wouldn't have necessarily thought I was ready for. 
And because they did that, I've done that to other people to just say, you know what, you can do this. What does having influence or being a woman of influence really mean to you? First of all, I think influencing is one of the most powerful skills that anyone can have because you are making things happen without having direct authority for something. And I think that's really powerful. And I've had to do that throughout my career. Time and time again, I'm influencing maybe the direction of how we execute things within our company along the way. So it's the, how do we get people there? Nothing irritates me more than people reading off talking points. I'm not a very scripted kind of person. To me, influencing is how something lands on someone and how you want them to feel about it. And I think I've leveraged my influence within the company, within Wells Fargo, by using my voice and being a good example of how to use my voice in a politically correct yet influential way to help drive change. How has being a Latina business leader shaped how you lead? I don't speak with a Spanish accent. People look at me and they think I'm an American, and I am, but they don't assume I'm a Latina. So for years, I didn't talk about those things. And I found that once I started talking about my story and my background, that people were more motivated if they aspired to do something. It gave them more confidence. I hope that the influence that I have in the community can be an example, especially to refugees and immigrants and people of color. About Marta. Education, Marketing and Business Degree, University of Houston. Hometown, Miami, Florida. Family. She and her husband, Jim Bruno, have a grown daughter, Maddie, and a son in college, Nicholas. They also have a grandson, Jet, and another grandchild on the way age 59. Hobbies. Chilling in the sun and reading. Shopping and decorating. Words to live by. Quote, make a difference and learn something new every day. End quote. Advice from her father. Our next woman of influence, Rosalind Fox, factory manager, John Deere Des Moines Works, by Kathy A. Bolton. Rosalind Fox isn't a fan of public speaking, but while she routinely, routinely gets anxious before speaking to groups, Fox accepts as many speaking engagements as her packed schedule will allow. I'm only here by the grace of God, said Fox, factory manager at John Deere Des Moines Works Ankeny plant, which employs about 1,600 people who design, test, and manufacture cotton harvesters and other farm-related equipment. God has been so gracious in helping me achieve this level of success, I cannot not pay it forward, she said. Fox was named factory manager at John Deere's 3.5 million square foot Ankeny facility in September 2016, after previously serving in a similar position at the company's plant in Fuquay, Varina, North Carolina, a facility considerably smaller than the one in Ankeny. The North Carolina plant, which produces commercial mowing and golf equipment, has about 400,000 square feet of space and 400 workers. Few women, women have been factory managers at John Deere plants. 
And until Fox became a top plant manager, the position had never been held by a black woman. Fox said she realized the magnitude of her achievement after she'd been at the Ankeny plant a few months. I realized that the level of responsibility and the weight of the position was a lot bigger, she said. I couldn't shy away from what that meant, not only in terms of the business responsibilities, but also having an impact and being a good corporate citizen from a dear standpoint and a representative of Ankeny. So when people call and ask to speak, I just feel the gravity of the position requires me to accept as many of those requests as possible, she said. In her teenage years, Fox wanted to be a nurse. Her father, who worked for the aerospace company Boeing, had other plans, she said. The people Fox's father worked around were innovators, and for some reason he thought I could do that type of work, she said. He told me that if he was going to pay for me to go to college, I was going to become an engineer, not a nurse. I thought, if it gets me to college, I'll become an engineer. Fox completed her undergraduate degree in five years. She said she wasn't adequately prepared for the advanced math classes a degree in electrical engineering required. I spent my first year playing catch-up, she said. She stayed at the University of Missouri to complete a master's degree program and later obtained a second master's degree from Northwestern University. Just three women were in her undergraduate engineering classes. When Fox speaks to engineering classes at Iowa State University and other institutions, 20 to 30 percent of students are female, she said. When students can see someone who looks like them doing something they're interested in, they are definitely more confident that they can do it as well, Fox said. I always say, you can't be it unless you see it. And that's why I say yes to those speaking requests, so that people can see a black female engineer and they can aspire to do that too. About Rosalind, Education, University of Missouri, Bachelor of Science degree in Electrical Engineering and Master's degree in Industrial Engineering. Northwestern University, Master's degree in Business Administration. Hometown, Kinloch, Missouri. Family, husband, Claude Fox. Age, 52. Hobbies, loves to travel. Words to live by. To whom much is given, much will be required. Luke 12, verse 48. Next, Joni Houston, Trustee, Executive Committee of the Board of Trustees, ChildServe. By Kate Hayden. When Joni Houston was invited to be a Board of Trustees member for ChildServe four years ago, she said, I can't do this. What can I give to make an impact at ChildServe? Houston recalled. But she agreed to tour ChildServe. She met some of the 4,600 children rehabilitating each year from injuries, disabilities, and other specialized health care needs. She met the staff treating them and putting on special events to boost their quality of life during treatment. It's life-changing, Houston said. The staff rarely overturns. 
They so believe in what they're doing, and they make that whole place a better place, she said. When ChildServe began fundraising for a $10 million capital campaign to build a new rehabilitation unit, she personally invited donors on tours to see the work that captured her heart. Houston and her husband, Dan, also committed the lead gift for the new unit, now named JoJo's Pediatric Rehabilitation Unit in Joni Houston's honor, using the name her grandchildren know her by. I find that it's really important if you're genuine and you have a passion for what it is you do, Houston said. I've learned so much and I'm still learning every day. Houston is a longtime volunteer in Central Iowa and her two biggest passions are in organizations serving children and hospice care thanks to two pivotal experiences. As a student teacher, Houston led a physical education class with eight students, all living with developmental or physical disabilities. She flunked the first day, as she said, but you learn with experience. As a daughter, Houston watched her mother become a caretaker to her father following his stroke at age 68 and later caring for family members with brain cancer and dementia. I don't know if that compassion is something you can teach somebody. They have to experience it firsthand because it's so raw, Houston said. Both her parents entered hospice care in the 2000s. Her father died in 2004 and her mother died in 2009. Remembering the compassion and grace her family received through hospice, Houston regularly visits friends and strangers living in memory support apartments at Edgewater in West Des Moines. She's talked about cattle farming, brought her grandchildren to visit, and printed off pages of nursery rhymes to share with her hosts. My job is to make them happy and enjoy the end of life, Houston said. After all, spreading happiness is JoJo's specialty. About Joni education, teaching degree from Iowa State University, hometown, Dow City, family, husband, Dan, sons, Daniel, spouse, Chelsea, and children, Michaela and Jack, and Christopher, fiance, Crystal, daughter, Kelly, whose partner is Matt, age, 60, hobbies, current volunteer with United Way, children and families of Iowa, Bravo, travel, and regular visitor at Edgewater in West Des Moines. Words to live by. Kindness costs nothing. The next woman of influence, Virginia Crossgury Lauridson. Philanthropist, the Lauridson Group, by Michael Crum. When one looks around central Iowa and sees the name Lauridson on so many amenities, from the amphitheater at Waterworks Park, the Savannah at the Greater Des Moines Botanical Garden, and the new skate park along the downtown Des Moines Riverfront, it's the result in part of Virginia Crossgree Lauridson's upbringing. My parents really instilled this service-oriented mentality in me, so making a difference in other people's lives has always been important to me said Lauridson, a member of the Business Records Women of Influence class of 2021. 
She said her unique skills in music and her passion for the arts have helped guide her and her husband, Nick's, in their philanthropic choices that have left an indelible mark on the greater Des Moines landscape. Our philanthropy is mostly centered on things that will reach a lot of people, said Lauridson. Her father was a minister, and her mother was an educator who served as an assistant superintendent of elementary education and was the character Beverly on the children's television series Romper Room. My father is the person that taught me that if you're able to help somebody, you must do it, Lauridson said. She has helped by establishing an endowment for the Lauridson Great Pianists series and donating to other projects and amenities such as Mainframe Studios, the Ronald McDonald House, and the Fountains at Cowles Commons, to name a few. Des Moines de deserves the best, Lauridson said. I would say arts is what makes life beautiful, she said. The arts transcends a lot of other things. Those are things that bring us together as a community, and I like to see that. Lauritsen's passion for arts and culture began at an early age. She made her debut in a play when she was 13 years old. She would later become a professional singer and was an original cast member for the national tour of Phantom of the Opera. She has performed at Carnegie Hall and at venues all over the world. She later moved to Des Moines and began teaching at Simpson College as an artist-in-residence, eventually becoming a full-time instructor, teaching voice lessons, French, German, and Italian diction, Italian as a language, and vocal pedagogy. After she and Nix were married, she retired, but she has continued to be active in the local arts and culture communities. She is president of the Des Moines Opera, and serves on other civic music boards, and serves on the United States Icelandic Horse Congress Board, where she is chair of the group's breeding committee. Lauridson said the best part of her and her husband's philanthropy is, quote, working with other people to see it come to fruition. It's the process of doing it together as a community, end quote. Lauridson and her husband are humble about the work they do. She said, but it does feel good to have a kid look up and say, thanks, this is the best skate park ever, or how great it is to perform here. Yeah, that makes you feel like you did something right. About Virginia. Education, bachelor's and master's degrees in music from Northwestern University, PhD in musical arts from the University of Iowa. Hometown, Greenwich, Connecticut. Family, husband, Nix, three stepchildren, and five grandchildren. Age, 60. Hobbies, Icelandic horses, playing the piano, reading, gardening, and cooking. Words to live by. Don't make boundaries for yourself. Next is Suzanne Minnick. President and CEO, Mid-Iowa Health Foundation. Written by Joe Gardiaz. Growing up with a sister who had many serious health conditions, Suzanne Minnick spent a lot of her early years in waiting rooms at the Mayo Clinic, which drew her into a career in health philanthropy. I always thought I wanted to be a physician, 
But you might say that my entry class of Bio 101 in college told me otherwise, Minnick said. So I was drawn to think about it. Well, if I'm not going to be the one actually providing care, what is it that I can do? From those experiences early in my life, it was clear to us over and over again that those medical innovations and the reason my sister was able to survive were not only a brilliance in science, but the generosity of philanthropy to drive that space of innovation. From the very beginning of her career, Minnick felt she was able to land positions for which she didn't necessarily have all the qualifications. But perhaps people hired me because they could see that I had a passion and was going to work my tail off, she said. Her first professional job was with the American Cancer Society, which immediately allowed her to step into that reality of bridging philanthropy with life-altering health care. Another significant career milestone was working for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. I mean, that is an institution unlike any other, and the privilege of learning in that space as one of the most extraordinarily run nonprofits in the world, she said. And then also with the generosity and deep commitment by the philanthropists that I had relationships with on behalf of that institution was just another clarifying career space for me. As she has led Mid-Iowa Health Foundation for more than a decade, Minnick has enabled the organization to leverage its grant-making power for children's health initiatives far beyond the dollars given to initiatives. Foundation Board Chair Libby Jacobs wrote in nominating her as a woman of influence. Minnick's success is driven by a willingness to ask and answer tough questions, Jacobs wrote. At many planning tables, she pushes groups toward the deeper why for the work, brings focus to root causes of challenges, sets a vision for what can be accomplished, and opens opportunities for more voices and community-driven approaches to be considered," said Jacobs. From Minnick's perspective, where I see some of our community's greatest opportunity and need is in that space of elevating the voices of those who are closest to the issues, regardless of what those issues are, she said. As a funding community, as leaders in communities, we historically have a tendency to get in rooms together not only to decide what the issue is, but how to solve it without truly consulting those that we are authentically trying to help," Minnick said. I hope that we do a much better job, and I know Mid-Iowa Health Foundation is deeply committed to, elevating the voices of those we strive to serve. About Suzanne, Education, Bachelor of Arts, double major in English and Communication, May 1996, Luther College. Hometown, Decorah. Family, husband, Corey, and daughters, Mari and Bryn. Age 47. Hobbies, tennis, walking on the beach, reading. And words to live by. The role of a leader is not to come up with all the great ideas. The role of a leader is to create and support environments in which great ideas can happen. From Simon Sinek, author of Start With Why. 
You're listening to the reading of the business record for Friday, July 23rd, 2021 on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind. Back to our feature story, Business Records 2021 Women of Influence. The next honoree is Janice Lane Schroeder, Chief Executive Officer, Children and Families of Iowa. Written by Kate Hayden. Janice Lane Schroeder learned through her own family's service to others. Her father, the Reverend Hardest Lane, founded the nonprofit H.E. Lane Center for Positive Change to assist men re-entering the community from incarceration. And her mother, Janice O. Lane, a missionary and National Merit Scholarship Corp. Administrator, led work establishing a family reunification center so women could be visited by their children. From the very beginning, we've always been a family that gives back, Lane Schroeder said. Lane Schroeder never left that work behind. She began her career working with chemically dependent adults and now leads Children and Families of Iowa's statewide work to serve families harmed by substance abuse, mental health crises, domestic abuse, and other life circumstances. I'm always part of a team, not necessarily the leader, but I'm going to be a strong member and I'm going to try to give it up my all with whatever I do, she said. Through development of the African-American case review team, Lane Schroeder studied how black families involved in child welfare services were affected by interventions. Working with the Department of Human Services, Lane Schroeder and her team established mentorship programs to reunify more than 1,000 parents with their children each year. There are times we make unintentional consequences for the kids and families that we serve. Our intent is not to separate kids and families, it's to keep them together, she said. Being innovative in problem solving is the fun part. When you see the outcomes, wow, that worked. This is when we glean a new resource, a new partner. And sometimes with the partnerships, it's not extra money, it's just putting the pieces together, Lane Schroeder said. Education doesn't stop with parents. Effectively serving families also means educating extended relatives, employers, local courts, and state legislators, Lane Schroeder said. There are some that believe some of the families that we serve don't want anything different. I'm here to show them that, yes, they do. Lane Schroeder has a few more projects on her bucket list. Developing a multicultural clinical team specializing in child welfare in marginalized communities. Further establishing existing initiatives on early childhood education and parent-child educational opportunities. Developing more accessible mental health care treatments for survivors of domestic abuse. And improving employment education for youths. It's never been about me. It's always been about how we can make a difference, she said. The joy and the credit goes to the kids and families because they did it. We were there to be a part of their success. About Janice. Education, BA and MA, University of Iowa. Hometown, Evanston, Illinois. Family, 
husband Ronald, and goddaughter Samantha Jones. Age 62. Hobbies. Listening to music. Reading books. Attending and developing leadership conferences for women and teenagers. Words to live by. The true measure of success is how much you do for others. The next woman of influence is Tiffany Tauschek, Chief Operations Officer, Greater Des Moines Partnership, by Michael Crum. When Tiffany Tauschek looks to take on a challenge, the lens she looks through is one of impact. I'm a big believer in our community and I'm very passionate about the work we get to do," said Tauschek, a member of the Business Records Women of Influence class of 2021. I'm a believer in the power of a team and that it takes more than one person to get things done and different perspectives and that it's meaningful along the way," she said. Tauschek said she also likes to deploy her yes and strategy. I think about where I can be most helpful in the community, and if it's not me, even if I'm asked to serve, I'm a big believer in saying, I may not be the right person for you. Let me introduce you to person X, Y, or Z, she said. I call that my yes and strategy, which is to say yes, I would love to help you, rather than saying no to opportunities. But why I say yes to certain opportunities is because I believe I might be able to help through impact. She often looks for opportunities she has a personal passion for and where she can bring a different perspective. Outside the partnership, Tauschek sits on the boards of the Central Iowa Water Trails, Bravo Greater Des Moines, Historic Firehouse No. 1, Ballet Des Moines, and Unity Point Des Moines and is chair of the Marketing and Communications Advisory Board for the Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives for North America. Tauschek said that at the end of the day, decisions she makes come down to family. Mark and I created a mission statement together before getting married and it still holds. For our family, she said. The decisions we make are ultimately for our family. I remain committed to making our community better and leaving it better for my kids, for others' kids, and generations. Tauschek, who is known for her love of downtown, joined the partnership in 2015 after working at Catch Des Moines and helping to found the Downtown Chamber of Commerce. I'm a big believer in the region and downtown and a strong region needs a strong downtown," she said. I'm very excited about some of the fun things that we get to do downtown, and what's fun about some of those things is it blends our team's creativity and innovation with that goal of driving more people downtown in a creative, unique way. Tauschek, a former television reporter, said her love for downtown grew after working in it for more than 20 years. It's become so much a part of me, and seeing what could still happen downtown, it's just really exciting to me," she said. Tauschek, who is also a former ballet dancer, said she often brings that experience to the challenges and opportunities she faces today. I understand and appreciate the importance of training, practicing, stretching, 
and pushing yourself to create something that may look graceful and almost effortless to those watching a performance. But there is always a lot behind the scenes that goes into those moments that play out on a more public stage, she said. About Tiffany. Education. Bachelor's degree in journalism and mass communications from Drake University with minors and areas of focus in political science and English. Hometown, Creston. Family, husband, Mark, and two children ages 10 and 8. Age, 42. Hobbies, volunteering, reading, running, and gardening. Words to live by. Get in the arena and don't be afraid. Don't stand on the sidelines. The next honoree is the Federal Home Loan Bank of Des Moines Emerging Woman of Influence, Hannah Inman, Chief Executive Officer, Great Outdoors Foundation, by Emily Blobaum. When Hannah Inman drives west on Interstate 235 and passes the 73rd Street exit, she wants to see kids playing in Walnut Creek at Colby Park. When she walks through a parking lot, she wants to see lots of kayaks, canoes, or fishing poles on roof racks. I want water trails to be as ingrained into the identity of being a central Iowan as biking is, she said. Just five years into her leadership at the Great Outdoors Foundation, her goal is well within reach. Dubbed, quote, the most transformational quality of life project of our generation, end quote, by Greater Des Moines Partnership CEO Jay Byers, the $125 million Iowa Confluence Water Trails Project, previously known as Central Iowa Water Trails, has reached 75% of its private fundraising goal. The project will transform 150 miles of waterways across 17 jurisdictions into a series of re recreational opportunities. Without Hannah, none of this would have been possible, Corey Sharp, 2021 board chair of the Great Outdoors Foundation and principal at FEH Design, wrote in his recommendation letter. She guided the Great Outdoors Foundation through these lofty goals with patience, poise, and confidence, Sharp wrote. Inman's first experience with fundraising was when she was 15 helping her parents out with a capital campaign to build St. Margaret's Episcopal Church in her hometown of Lawrence, Kansas. It was such an amazing concept, watching the community come together with their time, talents, and money to build this church, she said. After stops in Austin, Texas, Washington, D.C., and in the private sales sector in Iowa, Inman realized that working in fundraising and community engagement is where she wanted to be. And if her place of employment coupled her love for the outdoors, some of her fondest memories are of camping, picking mulberries, and going canoeing and fishing when she was younger, then that would be a perfect fit. When you're in nature, you're always happy, she said. When you reconnect people with nature, it seems to have a transformational impact on their life, mood, and stability. 
Inman wholeheartedly believes that through community partnerships, outdoor recreation can serve as a catalyst for both conservation and improving water quality. Unless we have collaboration and partnership and a way to come together, we're not going to have the impact that we want to see, Inman said. We can't point fingers. We're in this together. About Hannah, Education, University of Iowa Bachelor's Degrees in Journalism and Political Science, Hometown Lawrence, Kansas, Family, Husband Mike, Son Maverick, 14, and Daughter Everly, 10, Age 42, Hobbies, Cooking, Cycling, Hiking, Canoeing, Kayaking, Fishing, Watching Basketball, Entertaining Friends and Family, and conferences for women and teenagers. Words to live by. Quote, leave things better than you found them. End quote. Hannah says, my grandparents instilled this in me. I'm motivated by my children and my hopefully future grandchildren in that I hope they're proud of the work that we did. I want to leave this world in a way that they'll be proud of. And finally, the Iowa State University Ivy College of Business Woman Business Owner of the Year, Sonia Paris Conrad, owner and senior attorney at Sonia Paris Law Office. Written by Emily Blobaum. The first thing you notice when you walk into the conference room at Sonia Paris Conrad's law office is a large, colorful painting hanging on the wall. The painting depicts Lady Justice, a common symbol used in the judicial system that represents fair and equal administration of the law. But instead of holding the traditional sword, Lady Justice is holding the hand of a young girl, leading her forward. When the going gets tough, Paris Conrad glances at it and remembers her purpose, to empower women in all walks of life. Paris Conrad started her law firm on November 25, 2009, as a 40th birthday present to herself. She had been working with immigrant survivors of gender violence and sexual assault for more than 12 years, both as the founder and legal clinic director at the Iowa Coalition Against Domestic Violence, and as the co-founder and co-director of Assista Immigrant Assistance, which is a national nonprofit that provides resources to people assisting immigrant survivors of violence. Happy birthday to me. I'm going to do whatever I want, she remembered thinking. She wanted to continue working with immigrants and assault victims, but on her own. Since opening the firm 12 years ago, Paris Conrad and her team have served thousands of clients in areas of family reunification, deportation defense, domestic violence survivors defense, and immigration law. When she works with women especially, Paris Conrad makes a point to push them to reach their full potential so they can look back at everything they've done in their lives. It's not just about surviving, she said. When my clients were preparing for my citizenship exams, they would tell me, I can't do this, it's too hard. I would tell them, you crossed the desert with kids on your back. You walked for weeks. You have five jobs. This is hard, she said. 
In 2014, Paris Conrad founded the Latina Leadership Initiative after noticing that first and second generation immigrant women were stuck and didn't necessarily have the same leadership development opportunities as other women in the community. Since its beginning, more than 70 women have graduated from the program. Truly, my passion is to elevate and support women and to fight for women's rights, she said. About Sonia, education, Universidad de Derecho de Granada, Urbana University, and Drake Law School. Hometown, Barcelona, Spain. Family, husband, Mark, son, Alejandro, 18, and son, Fernando, 14. Age, 51. Hobbies, learning French, reading, yoga, and playing sports. Words to live by. You can do this. Sonia says, when I get antsy or doubt myself, I always have a voice on my shoulder that repeats this. It reminds me when I was a child and learning to roller skate and my mom would watch me. And every time I fell, she would say, get up, you can do this. Our next story from the innovation update Taking flight in Indianola, mobile e-scooter startup Bird expands in Iowa communities. By Kate Hayden. A fleet of e-scooters is expected to land in Indianola this month as the micro-mobility startup Bird seemingly expands in the state of Iowa. The company reached out to Indianola about the launch and engaged with Simpson College and the Indianola Chamber of Commerce, along with the City Council, said Charlie Dissel, Community and Economic Development Director for the City of Indianola. Bird will provide and maintain a minimum of 50 e-scooters for the city, placing the scooters across 10 target parking lot locations that can be found in an app, Dissel said. A local representative hired by Bird will manage the scooter's maintenance and charging needs. Our biggest concern is how they're managed. It doesn't take long to pull up on the internet complaints from bigger cities. But the agreement we have with Bird, I'm pretty comfortable with how that's going to be taken care of, Dissel said. I think having that local representative will go a long way because we'll build a relationship with that person. Brenda Easter, president and CEO of the Indianola Chamber of Commerce, said, We had to do our due diligence to make sure that the opportunity is something that would truly be beneficial for people. In an emailed statement to the business record, a bird spokesperson said the company has partnered with cities with populations as low as 10,000. The company did not respond to a list of questions sent by a reporter including which other regional communities bird scooters are present in and whether the company has plans to launch in other Iowa communities in the near future. Bird did not respond to requests to speak with Indianola's representative. A growing list of cities, states, and countries are looking to micromobility alternatives, such as scooters and bikes, not only as a means of minimizing congestion, but also as a way to support local economic recovery. We are excited to work with Indianola to offer residents safe and sustainable transportation during the pandemic and beyond. 
spokesperson Alma Maldonado said in an email. Bird launched a scooter fleet in Mason City in May. At about the same time, Davenport City Alderman told the Quad City Times that Davenport had been approached by Bird about launching a scooter fleet. In July, Waterloo announced that a different mobility startup, Hellbiz, launched 250 scooters in the city after securing a two-year permit. Bird had previously spoken to Waterloo City Council members during a May workshop, the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier reported. The launch is happening as Indianola's downtown square is undergoing two major construction efforts, the development of a new Warren County courthouse and a city project to repair water and sewer lines, then remodel some of the city's streetscape. Simpson College already operates a campus bike share program launched by the Student Sustainability Club in 2019 and the Chamber of Commerce supports an ongoing initiative studying how the regional bicycle tra trails can connect to the Indianola Square and Simpson College campus. This is one of those things that elevates this project a bit, Easter said. All of those things are about providing opportunity for residents and our visitors. From the Business Records Insider Notebook, bits and bites of the finer side of Iowa business. Iowa has capacity to add craft beer breweries, expert says, by Kathy A. Bolton. I recently had the opportunity to chat with Bart Watson, chief economist for the Boulder, Colorado-based Brewers Association. Our conversation was prompted by Big Grove Brewery's plans to open a brew pub in Des Moines. The conversation moved to the pandemic's effect on the opening of new craft breweries and whether there was room for growth in Iowa for additional breweries. Iowa has developed a much more vibrant brewing industry in recent years, but in many per capita indexes, Iowa still lags behind a lot of other states, said Watson, an Iowa City native. There may be more opportunity in a state like Iowa to have more brewery growth than in other parts of the country, he said. In 2011, 27 craft beer breweries op operated in Iowa, according to Brewers Association stats. The number nearly quadrupled to 107 in 2020. Nationally, there were 8,764 craft breweries in 2020. Iowa had 4.7 breweries per 100,000 people 21 and older, ranking it 17th in the country in 2020, the association data shows. Vermont had the most breweries per capita with 15.4 for every 100,000 adults. The state had 74 breweries in 2020. The pandemic affected the number of brewery openings in 2020, but the impact wasn't as severe as anticipated, Watson said. Some of the decline was due to the longer trend in fewer openings that we had been seeing, he said. In the U.S. in 2020, 716 craft beer breweries opened and 290 closed, association data shows. In 2019, there were 1,023 openings and 331 closures. Two new breweries opened in Iowa last year and two this year, according to the association. 
we had more openings in 2020 than we did closings, which is a trend we like to see, Watson said. In 2022, he said, we expect that openings are still going to outnumber closings and that'll, that we'll see strong openings in states where the market is still growing. Now turning to the Elbert Files by Dave Elbert. Joseph's 150 Years. 25 years ago, when Joseph's Jewelers celebrated 125 years as a family-owned business, I wrote that education and integrity were its hallmarks. The better educated our employees are, the more information they can pass on to customers. The better informed the customer is, the better off we all are, Burton Toby Joseph III told me in 1996. This year, Joseph's celebrates 150 years. And while nothing important has changed, the business does look different after moving in 2005 to its current Prairie-style headquarters in the West Glen Shopping District and leasing ground floor space in 2008 at downtown's distinctive Davis Brown Tower at 10th and Walnut Streets. Both buildings are a far cry from the weighty, equitable building where the jeweler operated for 84 years. Joseph's was the Equitable's first tenant in 1924, moving in while workers were still finishing the upper floors. And it was one of the last to leave when problems stalled efforts to convert the downtown landmark to luxury condominiums. The jeweler is Des Moines' second oldest family business. Only Hubble Realty, founded in 1856, is older. Joseph's longtime focus on education and integrity was especially valuable during the recent pandemic. Although the illness disrupted many traditional retail models, Joseph's brick and mortar stores proved surprisingly resilient. Only 10 to 15 percent of jewelry is sold online, Toby Joseph said. I said to our people, let's worry about the 85 to 90 percent that actually come in here. Jewelry is something people want to see. They need to touch it. They really need to look at it up close because what you see online and what you think you are getting may not be what you are getting, he said. During the pandemic, Joseph's was closed for only five weeks around April 2020. Even then, the sales staff was available electronically and delivered to customers curbside, Toby Joseph said. We have very good people who truly enjoy working in the building, he said. Of his 53 employees, he added, I haven't had anybody ask me, could I work from home? The West Glen store reopened in May 2020 with staggered work schedules and strict distancing, mask, and sanitizing policies. Within two months, sales were near normal. Last year's holiday season was the among the best ever, Toby Joseph said. And that does it for today's reading of the business record for July 23, 2021. I'm your reader, Susan Hack. You can access a recording of today's reading on our website, iowaradioreading.org, anytime. Thanks for listening.